This is Live Well Talk on COVID-19. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at Union Point Health, St. Luke's Hospital in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. On today's podcast, I'm going to give an update on vaccines, boosters, uh, influenza vaccines, uh, as well as the COVID-19 boosters, and also talk about the recent news of Merck has put forth a request for a pill that will act as an antiviral. And I think that's really special. And I am looking forward to talking about that. And I'll also provide the latest on what we're learning about natural immunity and give an update on current masking guidelines. What we're seeing here in the hospital is continued plateau of of the number of COVID patients there in the hospital. And I think that's good and bad. Uh, It's good that we have a high enough vaccination rate in this community that prevented an overwhelming surge into the hospital of critically ill patients. But I also think that's contributing to a, a sort of an ongoing uh, plateau uh, that, that keeps the uh, inpatient uh, census of COVID patients right about 25 to 23 and has for s- several weeks. Uh, and this is on top of we're seeing other medical conditions, as I've said before, that were delayed uh, uh, coming to uh, present themselves with uncontrolled heart failure, diabetes. The cancers kept developing, uh, even though we weren't screening for uh, colon cancers. But I can confidently say that the vaccinated patient is less likely to, one, go in the intensive care unit. As of today, all intensive care unit patients are unvaccinated. Uh, And also, it has the reduction in death. for particularly middle-aged patients if they're vaccinated. And I think this is all good. The one thing that I don't think people understand about respiratory viruses is it's hard for the vaccines to be completely sterilizing where they completely prevent any sort of disease because the, the pathogen is in your respiratory tract and it reproduces so fast, i.e. the Delta variant, that the body doesn't have time to mount immune response. So even if you've had the vaccine, uh, it doesn't have enough time to to amount immune response. And it is possible in the right circumstances, the replication of the virus can get ahead of the immune response. And that's common for all respiratory illnesses. Uh, and, and that's why we see where the vaccination doesn't necessarily prevent an infection, but it does prevent hospitalization and death. And a great example of that is streptococcal pneumonia, the pneumovax or the pneumonia shot uh, prevents patients not necessarily from getting pneumonia, but it prevents them from uh, landing in intensive care unit and subsequently passing away. And that's a good thing. I did have some questions come to me regarding the flu shot and the COVID shot. Yes, you can get them at the same time. They're both inactivated viruses, so you can get them both at the same time. I I would recommend any separate arms, of course. Uh, but there's no reason to space them out uh, of any significant uh, interval. People ask, what is the most important thing that they can do uh, to help fight COVID in the community? Um, And I think beyond uh, getting the COVID vaccine and wearing a mask uh, when it's appropriate and social distancing when you can, uh, avoid really cramped, crowded spaces. I think those are all things to do, but I think getting influenza vaccination is very high on that list. And why is that? That is because that if we can have good influenza vaccination rate, we can decrease the burden of the healthcare system into the winter months. Uh, And then if we do have this persistent COVID sort of phenomenon, it'll be less uh, profound and have less of an impact on the hospital because our flu vaccination rate will be preventing illnesses from influenza. I, I did say last week, and I still haven't read the data on the 
Pfizer coming out about to going to five to 11 year olds. Uh, at a third of the dose, I do want to review that data before I comment on that, uh, and I'll make a note to do that on future uh, updates. Get a lot of questions about boosters. Boosters are recommended for patients that are 65 years and older or patients that would not have mounted a response uh, to an immune response to the original vaccine. And this that applies to both Moderna and Pfizer. These are just messenger RNAs. Now, Pfizer has a booster uh, if it's been passed six months from the original dose. In addition to those other comments that I've just made about the booster being indicated for those patients that didn't have an immune response, i.e. they've had cancer, they have ongoing treatment for cancer, they're on some sort of disease-modifying anti-rheumatological drug for their rheumatoid arthritis. These are patients that are not going to mount an appropriate immune response and they should get a booster. Boosters for the general population are not indicated, and, and that's because the data isn't there that supports it, that supports it or states that it's uh, it's unequivocal uh, harmful. It just doesn't support it being done at this time, which may be a good reflection upon uh, some recent studies about um, natural immunity. The Pfizer data came out of Israel, said that there might be a benefit in natural immunity. That's not peer reviewed yet, so it's 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 more of just a letter to the editor sort of status, and we'll continue to follow that. Uh, but I think it's limited in the fact that it's just Pfizer data and it's not vaccine data in general. Uh, for the most part, Israel's a pretty homogenous uh, uh, country uh, and their vaccine rates are quite high. So there there are some conclusions that can be drawn, but I also think I have to be it has to be taken with a a little uh, a little trepidation until we make judgments on the uh, efficacy of the Pfizer vaccine as regard versus natural immunity. The study I think is of interest is the Cleveland Clinic. And the Cleveland Clinic, uh, we referenced on a previous podcast, uh, uh, found that natural immunity did provide protection that was at least equivalent to a vaccine. And they've continued to follow these patients. And of their 60,000 employees, like 66,000, I think, um, they had 1,359 employees that developed, that had COVID-19, did not receive vaccination. And none of those employees at coming up on a year had a reinfection. Uh, so it, it does bring to point that natural immunity in the right patient that has a good immune system may be equal, at least to the vaccine. We don't know. But there's a couple things that we can draw from all these pre-peer-reviewed studies that I can confidently say. One is the hospital's not being overrun with people that have side effects from vaccines, that to have received COVID-19 and then receive a vaccination is safe. Whether or not it gives additional protection, I, I, I'm not ready to commit to that statement at this time. I, I think for sure that it, it, it provides safety. We're also not being uh, overwhelmed at the hospital level from patients getting COVID a second time. So I think there's elements to the data that's out there right now that supports one, a degree of natural immunity. Two, that natural immunity with a vaccine that follows is safe. And then the vaccines are effective in preventing disease, hospitalization, and, and death, particularly in young people. Now let's talk about therapeutics. We've had tremendous success with the monoclonal antibody. Uh, there were some supply chain issues. 
that you may have heard about in the, the media. Uh, I think I might even mention on a previous podcast, but those are gone or, or, or those aren't an issue at this time. I'm, I'm sure they, they may be an ongoing issue, but we have plenty of monoclonal antibody and we're uh, providing that to the patients as clinically indicated for a positive COVID test and trying to get it within 10 days uh, and closer to day one, all the better. We have prioritized the positive test as opposed to the post-exposure prophylaxis, but we, we we would see what we could do if we had a patient present with that. We just haven't had any at this time. But Merck came out with a pill uh, that's in the process of being approved that prevents viral replication. And so this prevents the virus from replicating. Uh, now, what is the advantage of this? One is it'll be more efficacious or more effective against virus than the vaccine. And here's why, because it prevents the virus from replicating. So actually making more of the virus where the vaccines prevent the virus that's already made from attaching in the cell. So we will not be, in theory, dependent upon whether or not a variant should present. That'll not be affecting the, um, the addition of the pill. So I'm really excited about that. I think if we look at HIV, uh, epidemic um, that we made tremendous strides since the early 90s uh, with antivirals uh, on similar me me medications to the one that Merck is uh, bringing to market, uh, which is a good thing. And that uh, I I'm really, I'm very encouraged about Merck uh, bringing forward this therapeutic to add to what we already have. The masking guidance from the CDC continues to be that if you're in a high transmission area, you should mask regardless of vaccine status when you're indoors uh, and that, that continues. Uh, it, uh, we have been in high transmission status here in Link County and it looks like we will be for a while. Uh, our positivity rate though has dropped uh, below 10%, but it needs to be 7.9%, less than eight uh, to, to take us out of that uh, transmission status. The holidays are coming up. I know I've spoke on the podcast before about children wearing their masks uh, appropriately, but there is one holiday coming up very soon here at the end of the month, Halloween, where kids wear their mask appropriately. Uh, and so we're excited about that. But I, I would recommend uh, that uh, uh, we continue to follow the three C's uh, when uh, participating in trick-or-treating. And that is, uh, if you're sick, stay home. Uh, contain yourself, cover your cough and your sneeze, and wash your hands frequently. And I think that's important as there is a lot of person-to-person -person contact during uh, the uh, uh, Halloween trick-or-treating session and, and wear a mask when you can. And fortunately, a lot of that takes place out, outside so you can socially distance. Although I'm not sure that COVID-19 spread by bobbing for apples, but I'm sure kids don't even bob for apples anymore. That's kind of old school, but I would avoid that. Thank you for listening to the COVID-19 update. Uh, for the latest COVID-19 information, visit unipoint.org. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well.